The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by my very cool co-hosts. Laura Nash. Nate Heininger. And uh, this week, we are doing something we haven't done in a while. If you've been a long-time listener to this show, you might remember that we used to make a habit of doing music episodes every now and then, uh, and just sort of talking about game music that we enjoyed. Uh, and we haven't done one in quite a while, and it just seemed like the right time. Uh, and so we are doing it again. We're bringing it back. And so we are going to each talk about a few uh, game music tracks that we have enjoyed over, in this case, I guess the last couple of years, because we haven't done one of these in so long. Um, and uh, we have a couple of listener picks as well. And uh, so we're just going to play some selections and talk about what we like about them. And so without any further ado, I think Nate is going first. Yeah, absolutely. These, uh, even though we haven't done one for a long time, this is one of my favorite topics. Uh, video game music is has a like video game music is only getting better and better with each of these uh indie games and i also listen to it all the time outside of of uh playing video games it's like my chief thing that i listen to while at work so i'm talking about video game music all the time with people so it's good to get to do it again on the podcast so i couldn't not pick this song as my first one for the episode the game came out last year cadence of hyrule uh, we did it for the show. Obviously, we talked on that show about the music. It was great, but had to put something from that game in this episode. So in my good. opinion, yeah, there's a ton of great stuff. So Danny Baranowski is the uh, the composer, and he's phenomenal. Has done the music for the Crypt of the Necromancer games and other things. Uh, and I already love Zelda music, so this was like a match made in heaven. Uh, and pretty much everything on that uh, game is fantastic. But the one that I think is the best is called Gliakenspiel. And the, the real bummer about this is that it's, I think is the best song in the game. However, it's the easiest boss in the game too. So you really only hear it for like 15 or 20 seconds, probably (laughs) uh, in the game, you know, maybe a minute or so, but you're either dead really fast. So it starts over or you beat them really fast. So it's over. So you don't really Mm -hmm. get to hear it. So happy to play it on this episode. We're going to listen to it. thing about this piece of music is how much it sounds like it should be a fight in an 80s movie. (laughs) (laughs) I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, I don't know the words, the exact words for it, but the way the synth like slides down and feels like it's like, you're like, like skirting on the edge, you know, you're you're like Tokyo drifting around something. Yeah, that risky business (laughs) slide in the living room move. Yeah. But with a synthesizer. It's so good. And, And no joke, one night, uh, you know, a couple months ago, uh, Molly and I put that on, the, on like playing through our TV speakers, and there's, uh, you know, some hero has turned, has made a YouTube video that is that song for like, you know, a, a long time, mm-hmm. and I think we sat and listened to this song for like 40 minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's one of the wonderful things about video game music is like, Maybe you don't always want this, but sometimes you want to loop one kick-ass song endlessly yes. for 45 minutes, and video game music generally allows for that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wonderful. It, this if you 
Uh, unfortunately, the song isn't on Spotify. Uh, the whole soundtrack is not. Uh, hopefully, it will be at some point. Uh, yeah, a lot because... of um, a lot of uh, Nintendo music is not. I don't think they've really gotten to the point where they started doing much of that yet. Although you can find a ton of great video game music on Spotify. Um, Spotify is my personal, you know, music streaming service of choice. Uh, mm-hmm. I will try to put a couple of. Um, Jeremy Parrish did a roundup pretty recently of like great video game soundtracks available to listen to on Spotify, stuff you wouldn't expect or think of. Um, like, for example, all of the music of Zuntata, which was the Taito house band and did all of the music for all of the classic Taito arcade games and most of their console stuff too. Um, and all of Zuntata's quote unquote albums, which are mostly just the soundtracks to various arcade machines are on Spotify. You just search for them and play them. It's amazing. And there's like a ton of this stuff. So a lot of really, really good video game soundtrack stuff on Spotify. Yeah. Oh, and I would be, I have to mention that. um, So Molly actually started a playlist on Spotify a couple years ago. And if you just search for indie game OSTs, it's the first thing that comes up has like 300 people following it now where she is, she has tried, yeah, right. She actually had a, a video game developer re- email her asking if they would add their track to this uh, to this list. So I was like, man, you're more of an influencer than we are. But um, so there's like, <laughs> we, we we try to uh, uh, whenever we, for the show, whenever we do a really good you know game that has a lot of good music, we tend to add it. Or you know, Molly's involved in that, or is always looking for good video game music too. So if you're looking for a good uh, Spotify playlist of just a ton of stuff, uh, that's out there too. That's awesome. Well, fortunately, I think my next pick is also on Spotify. Um, I've been playing through, you guys probably know that what I kind of tend to do is like play short games for the show every week. And I have a kind of a background RPG that I play tiny bits of, and it takes me much longer than it would normal people. Um, But I finish about one RPG a year uh, because I poke away at them little bit by little bit in the background as I'm playing games for the show. And uh, this year so far, my uh, RPG that I've been working my way through is Final Fantasy VI, aka Final Fantasy III. So, you know, Final Fantasy III on the SNES, Final Fantasy VI, the sort of proper name of it, uh, the confusion which of which has, you know, never gotten any easier. But anyway, um, that game is known for having a great soundtrack, one of the better soundtracks on the SNES, and uh, it has some really great tunes, uh, but probably my absolute favorite is a track that is called Dancing Mad, which is, I think, a really good title. And uh, it's it's sort of a um, epic battle theme kind of vibe. It's mostly deployed at really dramatic moments in the game. Uh, and every time it comes up, I, I crank that shit because it's really good SNES sound chip music. It's, it's really great. So this is um, Dancing Mad uh, by composer Nobu Uematsu uh, off of the Final Fantasy VI soundtrack. on SNES music. Uh, I, you know, I, I know it's epic when I hear it, and this was an epic track, but something that's been sort of surprising to me about Final Fantasy VI uh, is how central music is to the game. Obviously, it's got a great soundtrack, and it does a lot of the sort of thing that some of these better SNES games do with, like, light motifs for different characters and so on, which is always super fun. Uh, you know, you'll hear, uh, hear, like, a little jaunty tune that represents a particular character, maybe even before they appear, and, and it, that's great. Um, uh, something that stuck out of me as pretty cool about Final Fantasy VI that I wasn't expecting was I'd heard for years that this was a game that features an opera. People always talk about the opera scene from Final Fantasy VI. 
uh, but I didn't know that Final Fantasy VI, when they talk about the opera scene, they're talking about an actual opera that your characters perform in during the course of the game. You go to an opera house and your characters are trying to lay a trap for a uh, for another character to try and try and um, uh, get this person to essentially join their party, uh, but they need to trap him. And they do this by performing in an opera. And when you perform the opera, it, uh, you have to look at um, like lyrics before the performance. Uh, you read through them. Then you go up on stage and the game quizzes you on those lyrics as you're performing. Uh, and the, the, the lyrics are like perfectly timed to the music. And it's, it's really an unusual and cool sequence for an SNES game. Like it was, I was very impressed by it. And I'm you know not surprised that people still talk about that opera sequence years later. It's just, it's this very different little moment in the game where you have to learn the, learn the lyrics of a little miniature one scene opera and then go up and perform it in order to successfully continue in the game. If you don't do well in the opera, then it, uh, you know, you get kicked out of the opera house and you have to try it again. Um, so I don't know. I really recommend final fantasy six. I know I'm like <laughs> 30 years late to the party guys, but uh, Hey, it's a good game. Yeah. I'm just always impressed when I, uh, at composers being able to create music like this from the hardware that they had available at that time. Mm -hmm. It's truly impressive. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really well done. Um, you know, the, this game is famous for its music for a good reason. So I have chosen a song that is not quite as epic, but to me it is extremely memorable. It's from Braid. It's the track Downstream um, by Shira Kamen. Uh, Braid's an interesting uh, piece because it's taking all these um, kind of folk-inspired songs and putting them together into a soundtrack. This one actually apparently is in a bit by... Um, uh, it's three different tunes together. Downstream is by Shira Komen, but then later on in the piece you hear um, a, a piece from a Gaelic group, and then you hear this French bagpiper play. Like It's just a huge mashup of folk tunes, but it feels really calming and soothing. Uh, I think I'm a sucker for any kind of fiddle, and this one's beautiful. My favorite thing about this piece in Braid is that Braid is all about time rewinding and, you know, solving puzzles. And it's both a meditative piece and it feels like it loops with enough interest um, and enough variety that it feels really part of the game. Uh, to me, it's stunning that it wasn't written for the game. It feels so natural when you play it. Yeah, this and what I think a lot of indie games are doing now really, really successfully is using like not video game music to set mm -hmm. a tone for their game. Um, you know, we, Ray and I both have selected very video gamey music to start this, but I think the real sort of trend in video game music now for a while has been take actual like genres of music and just score your game using that more like a film does. Mm -hmm. uh, or even like really diegetic music. You know, you see mm -hmm. a lot of games where like there's a radio in the room and it's playing a track to kind of give you a uh, uh, give you a particular feel or something. So many puzzle games have just okay music because they feel like you're going to be playing it for a long time. 
I really appreciate when a puzzle game has a beautiful melody. Often it's just that kind of background. Um, a melody that's really distinctive is not that common in a puzzle-oriented game. So mm-hmm. that's what makes Braid stand out to me. Yeah. Um, and another you know quick trend, too, is the music that's actually impacted by like how you're playing the game. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know we did Ape Out, which I don't think would really work for this episode because it's something you have to like feel as you're playing. Uh, but I think that's a really interesting way video game music is going too. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, if Ape Out, um, it, it, it's I, I would definitely have made Ape Out one of my picks if it was possible to really get the experience of the music yeah. of Ape Out without also simultaneously playing Ape Out. Like, exactly. It, it is. It It'd is just be a bunch of a messy drums. Yeah, it'd be like sort of playing, saying like, "Oh, my my favorite uh, my favorite track is this track from Samba de Amigo or something," and then you just like play a bunch of silence and you can't hear the maracas because they're not going <laughs> off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it, it's it. Well, although actually Samba de Amigo isn't the best example because that's not really how that music worked in that game. But you get the idea. Is like you. you, you Ape Out's music was like at least 50% the sounds of the game. Yeah, absolutely. So the next track we're going to play uh, came from a, uh, a suggestion from our Discord. Shout out to the Discord. Jeremiah uh, in the chat suggested a game that's very, or a song that's very, very near and dear to my heart, which is The Summit from Celeste. Mm-hmm. This soundtrack from the, the entirety of the soundtrack was my top played songs on Spotify from 2019. So it it went the entire album of Celeste and then it went to, you know, (laughs) like all of the other You could have saved money, man. Just cancel your Spotify subscription and buy one album. (laughs) I I know, right? I did buy this on vinyl. uh, So I have that uh, and we play it through the house sometimes, which is great. Uh, So this whole soundtrack, this became, um, I talked about, listening to video game music at work. Uh, this was like for the entirety of 2019. Like if I need to get something done and feel great about it at the end and feel self-satisfied and that I've overcome my internal demons uh, and made it over, you know, made it to the top of that mountain. I mounted the mountain. Of I paperwork. mean, it's specifically yes. the opening track on my doing awesome things, but need to get work done. <laughs> playlist. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this whole, you could really play anything from this soundtrack uh, and be happy with it. So we're going to play a track called Reach for the Summit. Uh, This soundtrack was made entirely by Lena Rain, who is fantastic. On its surface, it sounds pretty simple. It's pushing you forward, it's driving. It usually does have some sort of like melody that's on the top. Uh, but every time I listen to it, and again, this is now hundreds, I feel like I'm hearing something new, some little drum beat that's in the background that I didn't hear before, some filter that's on the synthesizer that I didn't really recognize before, something that is making it so densely packed while easily listenable and, and enjoyable. Uh, I, I love this soundtrack. It's it, again, it, it's I, I, it's like the majority of what I've listened to for like an entire year. So uh, a huge fan of it. I recommend listening to the hard agree. It's such a fantastic soundtrack. And the thing that I really like about Lena Rain's work on on this soundtrack and elsewhere too is like she does a great job of combining things that sound more video gamey with this sort of um, uh, really uh, human feeling piano. Um, it, Yes, and drum set. There is yeah. a mm-hmm. part, there is a one of the tracks, I forget which one it's called, but where it just sounds like there is a human drummer just going buck wild uh, <laughs> for like <laughs> two minutes straight. And I don't know, it might be because I have, I cannot imagine how you compose that from like a synthesizer because it felt so real. Yeah, love that. I, I, and I love that style too. There's some, um, 
uh, I, I'm also a big fan of uh, Ivy and Surasu, who do the soundtrack for um, the Steven Universe uh, yes. show, as mm-hmm. well as they have albums of their own. And they have an album from a couple of years ago, actually probably more than a couple now, um, called The Black Box. And, uh, oh, it's a 2013 album, The Black Box by uh, Ivy and Sarasu. And I really, really recommend it. They released that before they ended up on uh, Steven Universe. And they've pretty much been doing just Steven Universe since. Um, so we've been deprived of their solo work, uh, their non-soundtrack work for a few years now. Although they're uh, they're about to be doing the soundtrack to uh, Ickenfell or Eichenfell, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. But anyway, um, if you like that kind of vibe of like, uh, synthesizers and piano. That's something else to check out that I'm pretty into. So going straight from Celeste to another soundtrack that I've been listening to that is definitely making its way to the top of my 2020 playlist. I've talked about it on two episodes now, but I just had to include a track here. Uh, the soundtrack to Katana Zero. It's fantastic. Uh, it kind of was a sleeper for me. When I was playing the game, I thought it was fine, but I don't think I really listen to it as much as I should have, obviously, because now I listen to it all the time, particularly when I'm trying to get stuff done. The album is wide-ranging in its, what it's accomplishing, uh, but one song that really, like, when I listened to it just by itself, I was like, okay, I, I'm here for this album. This is what really sold it to me and uh, kind of paved the way for me really digging in and enjoying the whole album. It is called Sneaky Driver. soundtrack is fine right? yeah i think we both did yeah i think we both yeah. were like yeah this is good and it's but, funny you like know. you you know I, I hadn't gone back and listened to it again although like i listened to some of the soundtrack while i was doing the edit and i thought actually that's pretty good that's pretty solid and then um you said you were still listening to it so i've gone back and listened to it again and it's like it really has grown on me in a way that this sort of music doesn't usually it usually just sort of works or it doesn't but this sort of grew yeah. on me pretty significantly over time weird yeah it's 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 a little synth wavy. It's it's often discordant. It's very downbeat often, and all these things make you think it's not going to be like enjoyable to listen to. Like you know, it's it's you think that oh that sets a tone, it sets a mood, uh, but when you actually sit down and just listen to it, it's always doing something that is uh, engaging, and it switches it up constantly. Uh, that song was kind of funky. Uh, it has that really deep bass. Other ones are all wavy and 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 all over the place. I, it's it's an awesome soundtrack, but that one I think is the highlight of the soundtrack. And I'm going to destroy this chill mood with uh, Stardew Valley music because it makes me incredibly happy. And I was going to pick it, and then um, Ardia Abe in our Discord chat suggested it, so it doesn't have to count towards one of my two picks. So I get to <laughs> cheat. Um, Stardew Valley music uh, is by Concerned Ape, who is doing so many things on Stardew Valley. You would think it wouldn't also um, be a great piece of music, but you're wrong. Uh, Stardew Valley is joy-inducing and happy. And one of the best things about it is you have seasons. Um, It's a farming game, and each season opens with a new background track for every day of the season. So you hear the music a lot. Um, Both of them... uh, Spring, the valley comes alive, opens up with this beautiful, like, the world is waking up music. But I want to pick the track Summer, parentheses, Nature's Crescendo, because it feels like it is warm outside and you need to get out 
and maybe pull up some vegetables. As soon as that really kicked in, all three of us started doing that little dance. We're, yeah, we were all shaking like we were holding maracas, like in unison. <laughs> it was delightful. Because it's that kind of game, that kind yeah. of song, really. Uh, and it, it, it has a lot of movement to it. it. It loops and repeats a lot, but there's a lot of variety in the track. Um, it's just really great to have this background music that when you get a season change, it feels like a completely different world because of the music tracks. Um, all of Stardew Valley is just very happy inducing for me, but the music is a huge part of that. Uh, I do want to say real quick, I was looking at the, the playlist for this, the OST here, and there's a song called Spring Wild Horseradish Jam, which is yep. a wild horseradish jam. It sounds like something you would like two people at like a fish concert would describe something as like, Oh yeah, that was a wild horseradish jam. Well, you make so many, so many pieces of music are only played when you do special things. Um, all of the characters have their own little themes that are only unlocked during their memories. Uh, there are things that happen if you go into the desert at a certain time of day, or if you get to a certain level in the mines. So it's, uh, my husband, Justin actually even has a, a, a playlist that's so careful because he doesn't want to include any tracks that he hasn't gotten to in the game yet. And he's probably uh. like 60, 70 hours in, but he is very careful about curating it. So he's not spoiling the future soundtrack pieces. There's, yeah. it's just got a tremendous number of tracks. I'm wondering what, what you have to do to uncover the marimba of frozen bones. Oh no. There's I, seven, I do not know. There's 70 songs on this playlist and they all have some great names. So the next track I wanted to play, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and be my predictable self and say that probably my number one uh, use of vid- of music in a video game of the last year, at least, uh, is the music of Outer Wilds. And that's a bit surprising given that it's a it's not a game with like a really present soundtrack. You know, there is a pretty significant amount of music in the game, but it's uh, it's not something where you're hearing music constantly. Um, but and I don't think I'm going to be spoiling too much by saying the, the track I picked here is called Outer Wilds, um, and it's sort of the theme of the game. Obviously, it's the title track, um, but the the way that it's de- it's it's a good song. But I think what's really important about it is the way that it's deployed is absolute genius. Um, and so I, I hope I'm not spoiling too much here to say that the way that you're, you're as part of the game, you're exploring your tiny solar system uh, and you are finding other astronauts who are part of your same uh, astronaut organization called Outer Wilds. And there's there's one of you hanging out on each of the planets and you have a little scope that you can point up into the night sky. And if you point it at something, at, at a place where one of your you know compatriots is, they're up there in the sky playing their instrument. Each member of the Outer Wilds, uh, you know, uh, astronaut thing uh, has their own instrument that they play and you can kind of hear them playing by themselves, chilling out by a campfire on each of the little planets in space. Um, but if you, if you, uh, and hearing each of them individually is its own little song, but sort of becomes obvious pretty early on that these all are part of one big song. And it's a really great, I won't explain why, but the really great emotional moment late in the game where those songs all come together. Um, or actually, even if you just happen to, uh, like I did, uh, zoom way the heck out of the solar system so that all of those planets are basically one tiny little dot off in the distance and you point your scope at it, you also hear all of all of them playing together, which is kind of great because you've got this like looking down on the tiny little, it's like that little blue dot photo of, of uh, 
you know, of the earth, right? You're, you're looking back at your home and it's this tiny insignificant little dot, but you hear all of your friends playing music together. And so that's, this is the Outer Wilds, just the song Outer Wilds from the Outer Wilds soundtrack. And I think it's a really, really lovely piece of music used absolutely. just it's very beautiful and you know when you hear it every time you hear it it's meaningful it's you know and and that's really the case with all of the music in the game you know, each planet has some theme music that goes with it but like where the music really stands out in the game are moments like that where you know that hearing that song means there's a sort of certain kind of coming together of of people that's a really moving and there's other bits like you know that again I don't think I'm spoiling too much to say that that game has a time loop in it and you are uh, you hear a piece of music bef- before the the end of each loop that's there to sort of warn you that that end of the loop is coming up and it's it's also perfect it's this other sort of mournful uh, things coming to an end kind of sound and it it's just lovely too so like the whole soundtrack is is good. I would say like it's not the best soundtrack of the of the year. I haven't actually gone back and really listened to it very much as as an album, but the way that music was used in Outer Wilds just really stands out as as really really good. The game is often pretty empty and that's by design and and the as far as like a, a sound, sound goes, but I'd say this game's use of music is maybe the best I've played in a video game where it's not just like a music video game, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, the way it uses music as a plot device, the way it uses music as an emotional trigger, it, it's phenomenal. And for a game that has such little music in it, they nail it, and I think it's all perfectly balanced and perfectly designed. And one of the best parts of that game. Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking about this track in Outer Wilds being so integral to the game. And for me, there are a couple games I cannot divorce from their soundtrack because to me, one of the reasons I loved it so much is the mood this music makes. And Abzu, um, I think we talked about how much I liked just sitting the camera down and watching the fish move while the music played. Like, pretty expensive aquarium simulator, but (laughs) Abzu um, definitely brought that in. And I specifically want to call out the track called... Ichiosaurus Communis. Also, all the Abzu soundtrack names have bizarre titles, so it's almost impossible to figure out which track is which. But this is one of the ones, if you've played the game, where you're kind of, you know, you find this big creature and you suddenly sync up with them and you swim together. Uh, And it brings in giant sweeping choral music uh, along with this otherworldly orchestration. hard for me to pick a snippet from this soundtrack because all of the songs are about 11 minutes long and have so much movement and so much change in them that it's almost impossible to just choose a snippet but it's sweeping and it's really sublime it just takes me to another place yeah that's wonderful and kind of what I was talking about earlier too like that's straight up like great classical music right which is really good music and it's 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 in this video game 
it, which adds a whole new level to this video game. But yeah, and uh, I know people go crazy over Austin Wintry's Journey soundtrack, but to me, this one is really just it's so much more extra. So I gotta love it. <laughs> so the last song I wanted to play is. Um, actually a bit of a preview because yeah, we just covered uh, uh, the first two acts of Kentucky Route Zero and we're about to cover acts three and four um, and uh, uh, then probably also follow up with act five and a uh, and a sort of a retrospective or, or you know, wrap up. But anyway, um, that that's a, a game that makes amazing use of music. It has a lot of original music. Um, uh, the soundtrack is by Ben Babbitt, uh, but I I wanted to specifically call out a, a particular track that really affected me in the moment, but it's also not an original song. And also it's a song with lyrics. So first of all, when we play video game music, we're almost always talking about instrumental music. Uh, you know, you don't hear a lot of songs with lyrics, uh, you know, in the video game music, quote unquote, genre. Um, but in this, uh, in this piece, but in Kentucky Route Zero, there are, are a number of times, usually at least once an act, where a an in-game band called the Bed Quilt Ramblers uh, sort of floats onto the screen and plays you a song. Um, and actually, there's a there's a number of places in the game where other musicians play for you within the game. You know, Junebug uh, plays a song, and um, there's a song on the uh, on the jukebox in the entertainment that I really liked. So lots of uh, vocal music. Uh, and most of the Bed Quilt Rambler songs, I think are original songs. Um, but the uh, they're pl- at the end of Act 4, they play This World Is Not My Home, uh, which is a like a classic uh, gospel country uh, song. Uh, it's a sort of one of those traditional songs that has origins that are difficult to 100% determine. Um, I think the the first version of it that I know of was the Carter family. They're sort of like, you know, ur country, proto country, uh, you know, very, very wildly influential act. Um, and I believe this is a cover of their version because uh, this is one of those songs where there's a lot of different variations of it. Um, but it's just used so perfectly here. It's a little bit slower than other versions that I've heard. Um, and the it's just a perfect song for this moment. You know, the, um, the, I'll, let's go ahead and play it. I'll talk about it after. This world is not my home I'm just passing Treasures and my hopes are placed beyond the blue. Many friends and kin have gone on before, and I can feel at home in this world. Any. I love about this song it, it, it expresses two sort of I don't know vibes that work really perfectly with Kentucky Route Zero you know the, the whole idea of of um, this world is not my home being about being estranged from the world and people around you but also sort of yearning for uh, I mean in the in the lyrics of the song it's very explicitly about yearning to be with people that you've lost who've gone on to heaven um, but it, it sort of has this this sort of dual meaning of like estrangement in a strange place, which is very Kentucky Route Zero, uh, and also like longing to longing to move on to somewhere else, right? And it's just such a beautiful song. It's and this is a really really good performance of it, and it comes at a moment where in the game. You know, you've been traveling at this point in this game for four acts, right? For hours of of the game for, in the case of this game, in a way for years and years because of how long this game took to come out. Um, And it just has this this sort of sad longing, 
to to finally find a place to stop, right? Um, mm-hmm. a, a sort of longing for death, but also not. It's it's complicated feelings, but it's so perfect in the moment, and it's also one of those those um, moments in the game where you know the bed quilt ramblers are not really characters exactly. They sort of wander through your game at various points, and whenever they come on to play a song. You know, you you don't have to listen to the whole thing. It, it, they sort of come on, and you can play through a scene, sort of in the background, while the bed quilt ramblers are playing their song. And you know, invariably, you sort of finish up anything there is to do in a, in the particular scene that you're in before the bed quilt ramblers wrap up their song. And you always sort of have the option to kind of proceed on. But in this case, I just absolutely couldn't. I had to sit there and just let uh let the characters just sort of stand there and listen to this song finish itself out because i thought it was just it it was just an incredibly moving piece of music at an incredibly perfect moment so mm-hmm. we'll be talking more about this in our episode coming up on the you know the remainder of Kentucky Route 0 but um you know this has a great soundtrack guys yeah that's that's awesome and i just can't get it out of my head imagining it you know you're sitting there with your headphones on and someone's like hey what are you listening to and you're like oh video game music and they're like oh hey let me, yeah let me let me listen and it's that and it's just this beautiful like, down home yeah. <laughs> but basically whatever your genre uh this episode proved we have something for you in video game land for your musical taste. Uh, yes, pretty much absolutely. true. I mean, we even did a musical. Like there, we didn't even include tracks from uh, Peter the, Panic the, from Peter Panic, which is an actual musical. So oh, yeah, man. you can get any genre basically. Mm-hmm. So I, I love doing these music episodes. Uh, there, we should do these more often. It's it's fun, listeners. If you have particular you know video game music tracks that you really like, uh, let us know. Hit us up on Discord or on Twitter and tell us you know what your favorite uh, video game music track of the last couple of years is. I'm always interested in hearing that, particularly uh, if they're on Spotify and I could just go check them out. So, listeners of this show know that we like to close episodes with what's making you happy this week. So, Laura, what's making you happy this week? I've mentioned this before, but uh, Justin and I are watching through Star Trek, and we have just gotten to uh, the end of season three in the two-parter, which is a pretty famous one. But what's been really fun about um, watching the show evolve and watching it uh, in, you know, the year of our Lord 2020 while Picard is coming out is um, sometimes when you catch up on old culture – it suddenly becomes relevant again. And it's been really fun to be watching old episodes and hearing people talking about it now. Um, there's, I've been watching kind of a bunch of older stuff from like 2000. Like I've been trying to track down like moonlighting. <laughs> like to me, I feel like there's a lot of TV that was really good that got lost. Um, Star Trek is not in danger of being lost by any means, but it's been really, really fun to watch it as Picard is coming out. I'm not watching Picard because I'm not going to... I don't want to deal with people grieving characters that I'm still enjoying very much, but I love getting the jokes now. I love kind of having this access to this culture I've never had before. So um, my endorsement isn't just of Star Trek. It's basically an endorsement of watching old TV instead of the new hotness. Like, it feels great not feeling like I have to catch up with stuff right now. Like, like not being current is wonderful. <laughs> I have been talking about Star Trek on this podcast for like three years because that's I'm doing. The, I'm at the end of Voyager now, though. I'm at I'm at I'm in season seven of Voyager, so uh, I know exactly what you're saying, Laura. I mean, uh, so many shows. I, I I love watching shows as they're active and on, but I feel like in the pressure to watch the thing that just came out, sometimes you forget that you can just watch at your own pace and watch something that's 20, 30 years old and be. Just as happy. La- Laura, did we just start a Star Trek podcast? Sure. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, well, then she's just not doing it at her own pace anymore. Now she's got to do it on on uh, podcast pace. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, that's a good point. I watched three episodes of Voyager the other night. I don't know how I would have podcasted that. Yeah, but I got don't. a lot to say about it, and that's the problem. <laughs> I have no one to talk to about these things, except for every that once in a while. That is the one downside of old yeah. shows. Yeah. But yeah. it's fun to um, just, you know, turn to your partner and be like, hey, maybe instead of watching, um, you know, the latest episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, we can go back and watch uh, an old sitcom that neither of us ever watched. We can watch Cheers. Yeah. yeah. It's, 
Why? You know? I got it. I want to talk to. Why is the doctor and seven of nine all of a sudden singing in every episode? Whose decision was that? I'm rewatching <laughs> Fringe. And they just did their musical episode. And I was That's like, great. everyone who wants to talk to me about Brown Betty on Fringe. Every, everyone who has TV, TV opinions, go at Laura and Nate on Twitter. or <laughs> find Tell me what old but shows I should watch. For me, it's just Because I'm more Star excited Trek. about that than anything new right now. <laughs> totally. Well, uh, slightly different from catching up on old shows, I have been absolutely enchanted by a new show. I don't give a lot of anime recommendations on this podcast because I tend to just be the the only person talking and everyone else is rolling their eyes. But every now and then something comes along that I'm just so enchanted by that I have to talk about it somewhere. And so, dear listener, uh, you're going to be subjected to it. But I want to tell you about the brand new anime that's currently airing on Crunchyroll, uh, and also, I'm sure other places, uh, keep your hands off Ezoken. So first of all, weird title. Mm. Anime over the last few years has been the title, the, the trend in titling for anime has been getting worse and worse and worse. They All of the, <laughs> uh, all of the titles just become these like extended run-on sentences instead of titles like, that time I got killed and was reincarnated as a slime and shit like that. I, I don't like this. But, I, but anyway... Um, Keep your hands off Ezoken. Ezoken is a uh, Japanese word meaning film studies. Um, but the title is kind of kind of a mismatch for what the, the show is about. It is a uh, sort of over-the-top, very funny, but also really um, warm comedy about three high school girls making anime. Um, and it's, it's kind of like, you might think like, like I did at first, Oh, a show, an anime about making anime, that sounds really uh, up its own butt. Uh, but it's so not. It's it's so much better than I expected. Um, it, it's the it's directed by uh, Masaki Yusa, who is one of the greatest anime directors out there right now. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, he's um, I've probably already talked on this podcast about how much I loved the sort of wild over the top insanity of devil man Crybaby. Um, that was another thing of his, and he's done a number of movies as well. Um, this is closer in tone to his movie. Um, uh, the night is long walk on girl, um, which is this so wild movie about, uh, like a, a, a college student, sort of getting drunk in Tokyo for the first time and going on an adventure. Uh, and it's, uh, but this show is perfectly about the joy of creation, right? So it, yes, in the real world, no team of three high school girls could produce anime all on their own. This is a fantastical world in which that's not true. Uh, they, they can, um, so get that out of the way. Uh, it's about this this trio of really fun characters. There's a, uh, a you know, person whose specialty is sort of background and concept art, who's this sort of like little, very hyperactive troll. Um, there's the the pretty girl who is very good at character animation and and movement. And then there's the the sort of uh, mercenary type girl who's their producer and uh, handles, you know, money and production side of things. And they all sort of represent different parts of the actual production process, right, in, in miniature. Um, but also they're really great characters. And it's so funny. It's, uh, it takes place in a in a high school with which is like heightened to the point of craziness where everything is sort of run by the clubs. So, you know, the, the student council is this terrifying, you know, uh, oppressive government. And, uh, you know, they have to go and uh, beg the HVAC club to turn up the air conditioning in their clubhouse, that kind of thing. Like everything is run by the clubs and they're all these cartels. And, and so their club is trying to produce yeah, anime. Just like high school. I yes, exactly. School. And there it's just about like, it, it teaches you a surprising amount about, uh, about actual anime production while also totally not being about the way anime is actually produced because here it's being shown as, you know, here's how, how three high school students would do it. Um, but it's, it's also really beautiful in that it's like, it's about, it's a show where a bunch of really, really good animators working at the top of their game are making 
animation about the joy of animation and what make, makes animation an important and cool art form. Um, and it's very inspiring and very fun. And it's also extremely funny. So I, I cannot recommend nice. this show enough. It's beautiful. And, um, and also it has a wonderful soundtrack. Speaking of music, the soundtrack is absolutely <laughs> dope. So um, I'm going to insist that Nate insert a chunk of the sound of the, uh, of the uh, intro music here. Nate, you'll find it. It's called Easy Breezy. Okay. Yeah, you never know with a uh, a show that is, you know, existed. It, it is like taking on the world in which the show exists, wh- whether that will be good or not. Like a lot yeah, of things yeah. try to there, do that. Know, there's so um, many movies about Hollywood, and like ten percent of them are good, right? Or like, you know, one of my favorite TV shows, Community, does a great job of sort of like taking on the like sitcom tropes and it does it really, really well. But if it doesn't, it just becomes hacky and self like and just, you know, I don't know, just bad. Right. So I'm glad to hear that they have uh, handled this well. Um, It's easily the best anime of the season. It might be the best anime I've watched in years. And I've only seen the first eight episodes. It's still airing. So, you know, cool. Highly recommended. Um, well, on the uh, opposite of anime, the thing that's making me happy is that right now it's 70 degrees outside <laughs> and it is gorgeous. Uh, so I've been getting to go outside a little bit more. It's been, you know, coming out of winter. It's just such a nice time of the year uh, here in the Midwest. So uh, that's what's making me happy. Nice and simple. Weather. (laughs) Weather. (laughs) Gotta love it. (laughs) Yep. Well, uh, thank you, listeners, for sticking with us for this episode of The Short Game. We'll be back again soon, uh, I think immediately with uh, some more coverage of Kentucky Route Zero, uh, as we had mentioned earlier. And then, who knows, let us know what you are interested in hearing about on the show. If you have a game suggestion, you can get in touch with us on the web at www.theshortgame.net. We've got a contact form there. Or you can get in touch with us on Twitter at underscore short game. Or, of course, you can reach out to us on Discord. We are on Patreon, and all of our listeners, uh, rather, excuse me, all of our Patreon supporters at any level uh, get access to our patrons-only Discord, uh, where you can see the conversations that become the episodes of this show, and uh, you can suggest things in real time. It's a great place to have chats with us about what you're playing, what we're playing, all of the above. So we love to have folks join us there, and thanks to all of our patrons. Uh, And of course, you can find me uh, on the internet at Reagan K on Twitter. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter, at NateSTL. And thank you for listening to The Short Game.